Hello, everyone, and welcome to Headwise, the podcast and videocast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel. I'm the founder of Migraine Nation, and I have a history of chronic and daily migraine that began at the age of four. I'm super excited to tell everyone that I am here today with someone who is very popular in our community. This is Dr. Bert Vargas. Hi, Dr. Vargas. How are you doing today? Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for inviting me back onto the podcast. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, Dr. Vargas is a headache specialist and a very familiar face to many of us who are advocates in the migraine community. He works hard advocating for people with migraine. We see him at most of our advocate meetings, functions, etc. And today we're going to have a heart-to-heart -heart chat with Dr. Vargas about some of the gaps we have in our communication process with our healthcare providers when it comes to the impact that our migraine disease has on our lives. In other words, all the things we go through, not just the head pain, but all the things that we go through as people with migraine. There's been some data published recently about how migraine impacts our lives and how the fact that we might not be communicating this to our providers really impacts our care. So Dr. Vargas is one of the researchers in this area, and he is involved in something called the Overcome Study. Many of us have heard of this study. It's a very large study involving over 60,000 people looking at the treatment and care of those of us with migraine. So let's see what Dr. Vargas has to say. So yeah. Dr. Vargas, Headwise has a diverse audience. We have a lot of seasoned chronic migraine patients. We have some people who might be newly diagnosed. We want to make sure we're speaking to everyone today. Um, so our audience knows a little bit about you. Uh, maybe you can start by telling us uh, why you're so personally involved in working in this field and why this message that we're talking about today is so important. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks again for the uh, for the intro, Lindsay. Um, can't wait to talk to everyone about those gaps that you uh, that you brought up. And I think with all the studies that you mentioned, we found some really interesting things. I think it's really going to surprise your audience to hear what some of those root causes are. But mm -hmm. um, but to talk to your first question, really about about my background and how I got into to uh, working with people with migraine and and working in headache, it's really all about um, really outstanding mentorship. Um, when I was a resident, um, there, there were no formal uh, uh, headache medicine fellowships. They were all kind of uh, non-accredited fellowships. Mm -hmm. So it was very early on. And those early mentors really did an outstanding job of showing me how, uh, how challenging and rewarding headache medicine is and how, um, how, how it's just, uh, just so rewarding to to work with people with migraine, especially when you can see how just being uh, not just a, a a good physician, but also a good person, uh, can make a really big impact on their on their lives and their treatment. And by that, I mean being a good listener, being connected to your patient, caring about what's happening to them, and mm -hmm. using those things to kind of make decisions together. And those are all things that I I, I felt very strongly about. So. Um, I, I have indeed found it to be um, just such a rewarding specialty to be in. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. And I think that um, as patients, we all love to hear uh, when a physician gets us. We love to hear what motivate, motivates them to work in this field. So thank you for filling us in on that. Um, uh, so as a neurologist, how do you explain migraine to your patients? 
Yeah, I I think that that's um, you know really hitting on one of the 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 important points that I'd like to come out of this whole podcast today mm-hmm. is um, is the fact that migraine is really uh, a spectrum of symptoms. And I know a lot of us, when we think of migraine or, or if we hear someone say, oh, I have a migraine, that to, to a lot of people just brings up an image of, of headache. That's just the first thing that a lot of people think of. And, and some really good teachers uh, when I was uh, in, in training were, were just really good at explaining how headache is, is really just one of a number of symptoms. Um, it's the one a lot of people think of. It's one that is probably the most common, but it's really just the tip of the iceberg. And it's mm-hmm. really about the fact that it's a, a neurologic disorder of which headache is just one symptom. It doesn't include, uh, a lot of times we don't include the, uh, the light sensitivity, the sound sensitivity, uh, the, the cognitive effects that migraine can have on somebody and the impact that having those attacks has on a person uh, even in between attacks as they try and plan their lives. And so I think when when we think about it uh, a little bit more globally, I think we, you know, that's the first step in recognizing uh, that, that migraine is actually uh, a, a very uh, big problem. It's a mm-hmm. significant disorder, uh, a neurologic disorder with a genetic basis and a mm-hmm. biochemical uh, uh, pathophysiology. Um, I think once we start recognizing that, uh, a lot of those other issues that um, that I think a lot of people with migraine experience, including stigma, start to melt away a little bit when people recognize those things. Right. Um, so many people, though, may not understand that all these symptoms they're experiencing are actually migraine, uh, or worse, they may have not had a good experience when they sought help for their migraine symptoms. And this stops them from seeking help again. In fact, according to certain estimates uh, published out there, um, I mean, how many of us actually have migraine disease? Cause I think a lot of us, a lot of people just don't know they have it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that um, in terms of numbers, it's incredibly common. 1 billion mm-hmm. people on the planet have migraine. And it is the number one cause of disability among women ages 18, uh, I'm sorry, 15 to 49. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's significant because those are during peak productivity years, times when they're uh, in school, in times when they're taking on their first jobs, times when they're starting a family. So um, that that is one reason why migraine uh, has such a significant impact on people. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about... um, uh, you know, just, just numbers alone. Um, you know, I don't think that that necessarily, um, uh, tells the full story when you consider the fact that despite the fact that it's so prevalent, um, it's incredibly under-recognized and incredibly under-treated as a disease state. So it's interesting you say that because even myself, I recognize this in myself as someone who works in the field, who's had migraines since I was four, I'm really quiet. <laughs> when I go into the doctor, I don't mention so much of what I go through. So what sorts of common symptoms and problems should we be mentioning when we go to have a discussion with our healthcare provider? Well, again, one of the things that we've learned uh, through the Think Talk Treat Migraine program 
and through Overcome is mm-hmm. that impact is an important part of the discussion mm-hmm. that, um, for instance, again, pointing towards Overcome and some of the findings we, we found uh, in that study was that it's not about days, right? So people have a certain number of migraine headache days, let's say, mm-hmm. and migraine headache days is not what brings someone in to see a provider. It's all about the impact, actually. Mm-hmm. So, and and if we think about that with, you know, other issues that we might have, other health-related issues, uh, a lot of times that driver is, okay, is it impairing me from being able to function normally in my daily routine? Um, and and so it's not really that shocking to, to realize that the same holds true for migraine. Mm-hmm. So when we talk to providers, it's important to talk about that impact. Because not only is that the key driver for you as the person with migraine uh, in many cases, but it's also going to be one of the key drivers initiating an action on the part of the provider. So mm-hmm. again, when we just talk about days, sometimes the, the, the true impact of those days gets diluted and, and providers are not necessarily ready to um, take action on a, on a preventative uh, 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 component to their to their treatment plan. But once mm-hmm. you start talking about it's keeping me from school, it's keeping me from work, it's keeping me from social obligations and interacting with my family, that's I think when it you know really hits home for people and that penny drops and and uh, and providers are more uh, more apt to actually uh, take action on prevention. Right. Um, so we have a lot of previous episodes of Headwise dedicated to migraine-related stigma, uh, medical gaslighting, etc. If someone feels they're not receiving adequate care or they um, feel uncomfortable going back in and talking to a healthcare provider because they had a bad experience um, and their symptoms are not being addressed due to stigma, um, what do you recommend they do? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question because um, I, I think um, having that connection with your provider is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you want to establish a relationship where you have uh, mutual respect, mutual trust, and and when you when you feel like you're not getting that, that can really make the um, the the relationship challenging. Um, but if you um, find yourself in that situation. I think it's um, it's best to assume that um, your provider may be coming from um, a, a place of misunderstanding and not necessarily um, uh, lack of education or lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And and really, what what might have to happen there is sort of a, a reframing of what's going on, mm-hmm. taking a pause and saying, okay, look. Um, uh, regardless of of what this particular provider may think of migraine or may know about migraine, they need to know that it's actually having an impact on my ability to function. Mm-hmm. And when you say that, and you and then you then ask, uh, "Am I a candidate for preventive therapy?" Um, then that at least triggers that provider to reach into that knowledge base that they have and and make some decisions about about treatment once they kind of understand what the what the true burden or or impact that that individual is carrying 
That is a great point. If you take that extra step of asking if you're a candidate for, you know, these medicines that we take that will help keep the migraine away, I, that is just a great point. Uh, I love that you said that. Um, so data from the Overcome study that we mentioned has shown us that even those of us who have access to a neurologist or a headache specialist may only be prescribed or be taking adequate preventive medication like less than 60% of the time. Um, how do you feel we can best prepare for those conversations with our healthcare providers um, so that we get treatment? I mean, you already said one thing, you know, am I a candidate for prevention? Do you have any other, any other tips? Yeah, gosh. Uh, I guess to start off with the with the first part of the question that you bring up about fifty six percent of people who are eligible for treatment mm -hmm. and seeing a neurologist or headache specialist are not getting that treatment. Right. And I think the first important point to make about that, and this is what I was getting at earlier. This is right. the uh, th this is the stuff that I think is going to blow people's minds a little bit um, because I think there's a misperception among um, a lot of people with migraine um, and even among providers. I think if you pull providers, they would be they, they would be inclined to think that it's a pro the, the lack of prevention is sort of isolated to the primary care space. Mm -hmm. that somehow they lack the education, the knowledge or the initiative to start a preventive therapy. And then that leads people to think that, well, we just need more, neurologists and headache specialists, where we need more access to neurologists and headache specialists, mm -hmm. which may be true. We do need more neurologists and headache specialists, mm -hmm. but this data that, that we've seen from Overcome show that that's not necessarily the root cause of the problem because mm -hmm. that gap still exists even among the specialists. So, um, so really what that, uh, what that I guess, led us to do through the, the most recent version of the Think Talk Treat Migraine program was look a little deeper at um, what the root causes were and think a little bit beyond education. That right. Maybe it's not a lack of education. Maybe it truly is about communication between people with migraine and their providers. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, kind of leading into the, the next part of the question um, you know, really about what, you know, what, what do you do in these interactions? How do you, how do you convey, um, you know, your, your personal journey and your experience with migraine? Uh, I, I, I say, you know, don't just dwell on the headache. First of all, right. talk about the other issues, talk about the impact, including the impact that happens between attacks. Mm -hmm. Talk about how, uh, if, if this is if this is your story, um, that like so many other people, that you're coming in for help, not because you have a lot of headache days, but because those headache days are actually making it hard to manage work, school, life, and that you may be, um, you know, you you wonder if if maybe you're a candidate for treatment. Right. I can't help but wonder something that comes to my mind. You know, some people might just assume that their healthcare provider understands these things. And so they don't say them, but there's also the other end of the spectrum a little bit. Uh, someone like me that was so sick from such an early age, there did become a point where it was almost too scarring for me to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> And I had to re I had to learn 
to speak about it again. I was so quiet for years because I just, it was just too painful to talk about my pain, if that yeah. makes sense. And so like, if you're one of those people, you know, you've got to practice crawling out of your shell and, and speaking about it again, I think um, just a personal statement for, you know, those of us who just find it painful to discuss. Um, it, that's also another thing I think that makes us quiet. Um, you know, actually to that point, I uh, apologies for, for jumping in there, but you're, you're absolutely right that, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, pointing to overcome almost half. So about 45.5% uh, of people with migraine actually hesitate to seek care. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with stigma, including mm -hmm. the belief that they're not going to be taken seriously, including mm -hmm. the misunderstanding that uh, their their disease is not serious enough to warrant treatment. Mm -hmm. And so the things that you're talking about, your your personal experience seems to be well in line with what mm -hmm. a lot of people out there are experiencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it it can be very hard to overcome that block at some point. It, it, either you, you, you're afraid you won't be taken seriously or it's just physically difficult for you to discuss how painful it is, I think. And so it's one of the things that I think we can help to do is encourage people to, to go, you know, have a plan and, and get back in there and speak to your healthcare provider. And we have this data now, you know, and we have these sentences where we can ask, use the words and ask if you're a candidate for preventive medications. Um, yeah. So if anyone is, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, oh, Dr. Vargas. You know, I, I, I just, I, I totally uh, agree with what you're saying. And it leads me to think about a couple of other things mm -hmm. on this particular point about communication mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, I really, I really hit hard on communicating impact with mm -hmm. a provider, but he, here's kind of another interesting nuance that I think is going to be interesting to your listeners it's that um, when we actually started to dig in deep and we went to the to the providers, we went to the neurologists and the headache specialists, and we said, mm -hmm. hey, look, this gap exists even in, uh, even in the specialties. Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. um, is this an educational thing? Mm -hmm. and, and of course, as you can imagine, uh, a lot of the providers that we spoke to said, actually, no, no, mm -hmm. we, we know what migraine is. We know how to treat migraine. But a lot of times, our patients are the ones that decline treatment. Mm -hmm. And so that led us to then go talk to patients and say, mm -hmm. okay, what are the causes for which you may be declining treatment? And again, pointing it overcome for reasons people decline um, at the top of the list, fear of side effect issues, mm -hmm. uh, you know, wanting to uh, not experience the stigma of being on a treatment. Um, mm -hmm. not understanding that migraine is a disease. So thinking that somehow this treatment is just covering up a symptom rather than treating mm. the disease. And so I think the um, this is sort of a, a, a long-winded lead-in to not only do uh, people with migraine need to talk about impact, mm -hmm. but then they need to talk about the fears that they bring with them to that yeah. clinic interaction. And when a provider makes a suggestion for a treatment, um, to not um, ask those questions, right? And, and to resolve those issues in your mind, mm -hmm. be 100% willing to ask, what is this medication? Um, you know, what, what, what are some of the things that I should be looking out for? What mm -hmm. are the uh, appropriate ways that I should be treating it? What are the other options? What are the risks and benefits uh, or the potential risks and benefits? And I think these are all questions that sometimes... 
Um, I, I'll even point to myself because, uh, you know, I'm a patient too sometimes. Mm-hmm. And these are even things that sometimes I forget to ask. Right. So, um, so yeah, impact and then, and those fears. And I think hopefully that'll help bridge that gap. Right. I think I would even add to that for some of our listeners that have been doing this and have been uh, had migraine or chronic migraine for so many years, fear of another treatment failing us. Um, That is one of the things that holds us back. We hate that or fear of, oh, another diagnosis that doesn't pan out, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We that those are some of the things that hold back the people that have been sick for a very long time and have tried numerous treatments, I think. Um, So, you know, speaking to, you know, a little bit of everyone there. Uh, I, I think it's okay to say that to your healthcare provider, see if they can um, alleviate your fears a little bit. Um, Absolutely. You're right. So if anyone is looking for more guidance on communicating with their health healthcare provider uh, and, and is, is looking to optimize their treatment plan a little bit more, uh, there is a program available called Think, Talk, Treat Migraine. We have talked about it on Headwise before. Uh, we've introduced it. And we had very positive feedback. Um, it's there to, to help us with this process. So Dr. Vargas, can you please talk us through how this program might be helpful to us as patients? Yeah, no, happy to talk about um, the Think Talk Treat Migraine program um, at thinkmigraine.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a program that, that uh, means a lot to me and a lot of uh, my colleagues, uh, just as we've been working on this now for uh, over two years. Um, really what it's about, it's, um, it, it's not an educational program and I can't, I can't underscore that enough because mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of educational programs out there, right? This is an activation program. It's really meant to activate people with migraine to talk about their symptoms, to talk about their impact, to talk about the things that they fear about treatment. Mm-hmm. And um, and things that they may not understand or not understand to their satisfaction about what migraine is. Mm-hmm. So that's one arm of it. The second arm is really aimed at at uh, at providers. And there are so many educational programs out there um, that you know, to to be honest, they they um, uh, the people that consume that information a lot of times are people that, are not necessarily the ones that need it, right? They're the people who are enthusiastic about migraine. Right. They want to learn more. So, so a lot of our program was about how do we reach people that either don't realize that they need, um, you know, that supplemental information and activation, or or may just not like treating migraine, despite the fact that um, it's so common and so common mm-hmm. in their practice. And so um, a lot of our focus was on on reaching uh, reaching a, a very wide population of providers and acting uh, activating them to take action uh, whenever they see someone that is experiencing impact. Right. We, I think, one of the other more important features of the program is that we we highlight. Um, uh, consensus statements and guidelines by the AAN, so the American Academy of Neurology, and the mm-hmm. AHS, or the American Headache Society, mm-hmm. um, and even the uh, NHF, the National Headache Foundation, all have a lot of information about appropriate treatment and the appropriate time to initiate treatment. And so our program really, um, really looks to all of those uh, those organizations, which really lead 
um, you know, lead the practice of, of medicine when it comes to migraine, um, mm-hmm. as a, as a sort of a guideline for, for best practice. Okay. Um, so this sounds awesome. I want everyone to be able to hear the website again for think, talk, treat migraine. Can you please repeat it so they can g- get there? Yeah, absolutely. It's just thinkmigraine.com. Okay. And the program itself is Think Talk Treat Migraine. Okay. And um, so before we go, I'm wondering if we can close with can you just tell us what you think is the most important piece of advice you can give to a person with migraine disease? Yeah, I I I, I think that's a really great question because um it makes me think of a lot of family members that I have with migraine and chronic mm-hmm. migraine. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen firsthand um, in their behaviors and and things that they do that um, that I think uh, could change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's to be honest about speaking about what you're experiencing, mm-hmm. being honest about the fact that you have migraine, which is a neurologic disease, mm-hmm. and the fact that it may be having an impact Uh, on your life to some degree. Mm -hmm. And I think once we recognize those things, um, I I think that that helps educate others about what migraine is, but also about the fact that that it it can actually be uh, quite debilitating in the midst of an attack and even in between. Right. And so, um, so if there was one thing that I could say, it would be to be honest with yourself be honest with your providers mm-hmm. and uh, advocate for yourself uh, to to get the best care that you can. If you feel like you're having uh, uh, an impact that's making it difficult to function, ask whether you're a candidate for treatment. If mm-hmm. you feel that that treatment isn't uh, fixing your problem or addressing your problem or not making you feel well, feel free to talk with your provider and, and talk through changes that could be made, or even a switch that could be made. Mm -hmm. I think more often than not, your providers really do want to help you. They really do want to be that person that that you can count on to help you through it. Um, But we need to be very, very transparent with information and honest with uh, what what we're experiencing uh, to activate them to, to take the necessary steps. Right. I love that. I love all these ideas. And I love the idea. This is a very empowering episode to me um, because we I love the idea of reminding people that the things we say and how honest we are can really help us get better care Uh, because sometimes we really get in a care funk. Sometimes it's like we aren't getting anywhere. And sometimes I think the things we say uh, can really make a difference when we're in that space. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. Vargas, for being here. This has been an awesome episode. And thank you everyone for joining us this week on Headwise. Please join us again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you.